The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run and run simple with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Okay, I have a little pop quiz for all of you out there. What's the number one question heard on a family road trip in the car? I think I have it right. The answer is, Mommy, are we there yet? And Mommy dutifully says and patiently says, soon, we'll be there soon. Well, let's do a reality check. It's 2016, and I think Mommy is really talking about achieving gender equity in business because we know she's smart and she probably has a job. Maybe she's an executive. Is Mommy right? Well, sort of. Here's the good news. We are seeing a groundswell of policy and practice discussions and activities about the underrepresentation of women in the boardroom, in the C-suite, and in high-growth entrepreneurship. That's really good. And the lean-in revolution has not only brought men into the conversation, it has also spurred the creation of women's power networks also good news. Plus, it's getting better. An increasing number of venture capital firms, angel investment groups, and accelerator programs are aimed specifically at female-founded high-growth startups. So the question is, Mommy is asking to us here today on Coffee Break with Game Changers, we're all asking, how much longer till we get there? Where are we trying to get? We're trying to get to the age of the woman with gender equity in business. It's a very simple equation, and that's where we're trying to go. I have a great panel today, and let me tell you who they are before I introduce them. And I have some very interesting news about who they're quoting today in our opening statements. We're first going to welcome Nicole Sahin, S-A-H-I-N, CEO of Globalization Partners, and welcoming back, Nicole is new, welcoming back Tanya M. Odom, O-D-O-M, global consultant, coach, and author on innovation and creativity, civil rights, diversity, and inclusion, team building, mindfulness, coaching, inclusiveness, leadership, and a whole lot more. Welcome back to Tanya. And joining the panel is Dr. Patty Fletcher of SAP Success Factors. And Patty is the woman on the move. She is the one who's not saying, Mommy, are we there yet? She's saying yes to everybody. We're almost there because she is going on many different panels and she's been to Washington, D.C. She's headed to Babson College talking about these very issues on some very esteemed panel discussions. So we're just delighted to have Patty. By the way, those of you who recognize her name, Dr. Patty Fletcher is also the sponsor of our very special series we started this year called Changing the Game with HR. So there's a big shout out to Patty. Now let me circle back to our newcomer panelist. She is Nicole Sahin. And Nicole has sent me an interesting quote from Amy Polar. Now, ladies, I have to tell you, I think this may be the first time in five years of radio shows, probably a thousand shows, maybe 
2,000, 2,500 guests, that two guests on the same show, on the same panel, have selected the same celebrity to quote. So that's a hint. Mm. Nicole and Patty <laughs> have both picked Amy Poehler. And I think this is Amy Poehler's first time on the show. So shout out to Amy Poehler. So Nicole has sent me the following quote from Amy. And just give me a second here. Uh, Amy Poehler is a young one. She was born in 1971. Oh, my goodness, Amy. She has accomplished so much. An American actress, comedian, director, producer, voiceover artist, writer. She studied improv at Chicago's Second City and Improv Olympic in the early 90s, went to New York City to become part of the improv comedy troupe Upright Citizens Brigade and helped to found the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. You know her from Saturday Night Live. You know her from hosting, co-hosting with Tina Fey, The Weekend Update. You know her from movies. And you may not know that since August of last year, 2015, Amy Poehler has served as executive producer on the Hulu original series, Difficult People. She also got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame last December, and she's been nominated 18 times for primetime Emmys and won one for a guest in a comedy series on SNL. My goodness. Here's the quote. I just love bossy women. To me, bossy is not a pejorative term at all. It means somebody's passionate and engaged and ambitious and doesn't mind leading. Nicole Sahin, I love the quote. How are you, Nicole? Do we have Nicole? Bonnie, yes, this is Nicole. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, you're welcome, Nicole. Love the quote. Talk to me about your quote. Well, yeah, I I actually love the quote because, um, and I think Amy says it well, um, that, you know, bossy women, um, it's not a derogatory term, and it means that someone's engaged and ambitious and doesn't mind leading. And one thing that I found is that um, women who are successful in business take take that route exactly. Um, we have a team full of women. Um, our management team is entirely comprised of women at Globalization Partners, and we're a startup. So we make fast, uh, hard decisions at a moment's notice every day. Um, one thing that, that it's, it can be a little bit unpopular. You know, the, the traditional idea of a bossy woman is not is not the traditional idea of a woman at all. Women have mm-hmm. traditionally been taught to lead in a more gentle way, to be more gentle in the way that they speak. And I think that that really leads to um, something that I think we're, we're facing today as we continue to move forward. Yes, it's the age of the women, and yet we're dealing with we're dealing with more unconscious bias than we have before. Um, sometimes it can be unappealing for a woman to be to appear to be bossy, and yet what she's actually doing is leading. And I think it's a really compelling time uh, to witness this, you know, this unconscious bias really come to light, especially right now with the political uh, climate and what we're seeing on oh, yeah. the political landscape. There's, um, you know, people are being criticized for being bossy uh, when when actually they're just being very decisive and strong. Very interesting, Nicole. Uh, I don't know if you're, you've been watching or if anybody on this call has been watching the brand new, I'll call it a drama series starring Michael Weatherly, who was Tony Donozo on NCIS for so many years. He just started a series called Bull, where he is Dr. Bull, B-U-L-L, and no bull, and he is a, a trial jury consultant. And he's the guy with the people who can hack into almost anybody's bio. He has a staff, a team of specialists, including a lawyer and people who can find out anything about you at any time of the day or night of what you ever have done. But interestingly, last night's second episode on the show, I taped it because I was doing my own TV show live last night. Um, he he was uh, he met a woman who was a an airline pilot for a 
fictitious major airline, and she had to crash the plane because of wind shear. And they did a test on a, a mock jury that was what they call a mirror jury. The mirror jury is selected for exactly the same personality profiles and biases as the people on the real jury. And as soon as they found out that the pilot of the plane was a female, they voted guilty. When Bull picked a different mock jury and he assumed the role of the pilot instead of the actual woman client and he showed up in a in a pilot's uniform with the hat and the stripes and the whole you know what Michael Weatherly looks like very uh, you know well he's he's hot he's there anyway he was not guilty so they uncovered bias in this mock jury that they found out was going to happen in the real jury any thoughts on that Nicole is that is that that's how pervasive this topic is and I know Patty Fletcher will be happy to hear that they're presenting this on real tv shows now Nicole any comment on that well, I, I, I think it, it, it reflects, you know, and in many things, entertainment reflects what we see in real life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, further to that is, um, yeah, I think, I think that the way women present themselves, you know, again, we're often seen as leading from behind or, or we were the people who were supposed to, you know, the quiet power, the woman behind the man. And I think that it surprises people to see women at the front. And um, and that when women lead as strongly and as effectively as men, uh, they're surprised by it. So whether it's flying a plane or or mm-hmm. um, in politics or in business, it it all it all ties together. I'm I'm glad to hear that that that's becoming more of a uh, dominant theme in the entertainment industry as well. Mainstream, and that was CBS. By the way, going back to my original question, is mommy right that that gender equity in business is coming soon? Nicole, what do you observe? Just quickly. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it, it absolutely is 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 coming uh, to be more equitable, and yet we still have work to do. We certainly do, and that's why we're here. Thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for indulging my little sidebar there. I, I was so excited to see our topic on major TV last night. I thought, wow, they're paying attention, and we're paying attention. Thank you. Now let me turn to Tanya M. Odin, global consultant, coach, and author. List is too long to mention. And Tanya has brought us a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Anybody who has literally been hiding under a rock, Gandhi was Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi. Uh, he was a Hindustani, lived from 1869 to 1948. He was the preeminent leader of the Indian independence movement in British-ruled India. He used nonviolent civil disobedience, well, there's an idea, to lead India to independence. And the honorific Mahatma in Sanskrit means high-souled, S-O-U-L-E. ED, or venerable. It was applied to him first in 1914 in South Africa, and it's now used worldwide. So that was not really his first name. That was the honorific. He's also called Bapu, which is an endearment meaning father or papa in India. And in common parlance, he's called Ganiji, G-A-N-D-H-I-J-I, unofficially the father of the nation. Here is the wonderful quote Tanya has selected. In a gentle way, you can shake the world. Tanya Odom, how have you been? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me back. Oh, we're delighted. You can thank Patty Fletcher. She handpicked this panel to bring you all over from Changing the Game with HR over to my, my flagship show, Coffee Break, and I'm delighted to have you. So, Tanya, tell me, you're a big follower of uh, Gandhi and of nonviolent civil obedience, obe- disobedience, and what's your thought about being gentle and shaking the world? Yeah, I mean, I actually think, although it sounds like it's contradictory to what Nicole was saying, it's actually not bringing in the diversity lens and the different cultural lens. I think what I observe about a lot of the work being done in the women's leadership, women's empowerment, women's equity work, 
sometimes the big names are getting the attention. And I've been mm. to places like Myanmar and India where women are doing amazing work with mm -hmm. much fewer resources than we have here. And then we read about things. I don't know how many of you have seen that story. It actually went viral about some of the women in D.C. and the Obama administration who actually came up with a strategy on how to support each other. Haven't been talking about it. It's just being written about now where they actually supported each other in what, when one of them said something. And it was their way of sort of chipping away at a system that often doesn't allow access to people. And so I think for me, the quote says, sometimes it's not the loudest voice or the best-selling book that's going to push some of this gender equity work. It's literally women and men on the ground making some of these changes at the very systemic level. You know, there was an interesting Harvard Business Review article that said we just can't handle diversity. And it, it was one of the better diversity articles recently. And what it said was that many of the reasons we can't handle some of this conversation or maybe haven't made as much progress is because we don't see the larger systemic piece. So I think there are people making systemic changes in so many ways, whether it be on conscious bias research. I was on a panel this week with Laura Mather, who's created this wonderful technology, um, just like SAP has, that's looking to mitigate unconscious bias. There are people doing things at a very um, ground level that I think is part of the groundswell around this topic. Thank you, Tanya. Very interesting. I'm intrigued by the your mention of the Harvard Business Review article. Can we handle diversity? What did what did they uh, what did they conclude? What did you conclude? Are we there yet, Mommy? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I don't. This, you know, every day there are articles about women. Yesterday, Twitter was a fire with Sheryl Sandberg being quoted in terms of the research that's come out from Lean In and McKinsey talking about women, and they did list some high points, but I think what I want to talk about is also intersectionality, meaning, you know, the research is very clear, and it said that women of color are the most underrepresented group in senior and upper ranks of companies, and that their numbers drop at the middle and senior level. So when we talk about women, I think we have to also say, who are we talking about, and are we there yet? Mm -hmm. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're there in terms of increased awareness. I think we're there in terms of acknowledging that there are systems, which is what this Harvard article is saying. We have to look at our, our notion of merit and acknowledge that there are some systems that don't always work. But I'm, I'm sort of that person who's going to push and say, when we say women, are we really talking about all women? Because that advancement piece, and Patty, I know, can talk about this too, depending upon what industry we're talking about, really depends on who you are and where you are. Um, you know, women with children, work-life balance issues. I think many women would say we're absolutely not there yet around those issues, but there's an awareness that I think in my 20-something years of doing this work, I haven't seen this level of awareness. Interesting, and awareness is probably the first step. Thank you so much. Very thoughtful responses, Tanya. Welcome back. And now the lady we've been talking about, Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors, our traveler, our representative on so many panels, bringing awareness, doing such a good job. And Patty, as I said, has also quoted Amy Poehler, and here's the quote she selected. The doing is the thing. The talking and worrying and thinking is not the thing. <laughs> I can hear her say it. Patty, you took time out of your busy travels. Are you, are you have 10 minutes uh, to, between going on panel discussions? Where are you, Patty? <laughs> I'm today I'm in Boston. Who knew? Um, but, but heading down <laughs> to, um, 
to Florida in a few days to go meet with some fantastic entrepreneurs who are part of the Babson program down in, in Miami. Um, so, yeah, really happy to be here. And that quote just cracks me up. I was in a, a presentation a, a few years ago with Jeffrey Hazlett, um, who was, was the former CMO of, I think, Kodak or Polaroid or something, and he's quite the dynamic speaker. So anyway, he had this his story about um, how he worked at this company, and there was a clock right above the, the time punch, right, where you kind of clock in, clock out, and the clock was five minutes ahead. And people were freaking out because although they were on time, the time stamp on their punch card showed they were five minutes after, and they had meetings and meetings about it, and they were so aware until one person came in one morning, took the clock down, put it to the right time, <laughs> and I think that's kind of where where I'm at with this. I There is so much awareness now, which is wonderful, right? And you pointed to a really good example about how it's starting to become part of the narrative in, in pop culture and in media, and we have been inundated with, with so many um, stories about women and how there aren't a lot of women um, in key roles in entrepreneurship and high-growth leadership, and you know, I get asked the question a lot of, like, well, what can we do? There's such a problem. And to that quote point into the time clock example, so if you want more women in high-growth entrepreneurship, invest in them. If you want more women in senior leadership positions or more African-American women, for example, in tech, and I have a stat to share with you, Tanya, on, on some research, um, then you hire them. It's not that difficult. And so and it's all a matter of working backwards from that, right? You, we hear everything. I can't find anybody. Um, nobody's interested. Only white men apply. Well, you're going to the same room you've been going to for years and expecting a different result. And we all know what Einstein said about that. But in terms yeah. of the labor force, Intel came up with this really good research. I was on a panel about it a few weeks ago. Um, 16 to 18% of the tech labor force, as an example, is Hispanic, African-American, and Native American women. And for African-American women, over the last 15 years, um, the representation has dropped 1% to 2%. Um, mm. Huge problem, specifically in an in industry that determines so much about how we live and how we can excel. So, so rather disappointing. So in the answer of are we there yet, um, I feel a little bit of a Debbie Downer. I think it's wonderful that we are talking about it, that there are different folks who are joining us in that conversation. I think it is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But just looking at the numbers themselves, we have a long way to go. And what's wonderful is that um, there are people seeing that, but it's time to start doing um, and testing things out. Because it's a cultural change. We don't know what's going to work. So it's a matter of, of testing out um, different approaches to bring in a broader audience to a workforce um, or broader workforce um, into organizations and to figure out how to develop and retain and, and grow the next talent and the next set of leaders. Thank you, Patty. Also, a very thoughtful answer. I'm, while the three of you are speaking, I, I have a couple of questions for all of you uh, before we go to where were you calling from? Well, we know Patty's in Boston. And what are you drinking today to power you up with all this energy? My question is, Patty and Tanya and, and Nicole as well, 
how do you become thought leaders in this, I won't say this fight, let's say this campaign to bring awareness, to bring inclusion and diversity, to bring women to the age of the woman where we don't have to say, but is there a quota? Why am I not on this board? Why am I not getting this job? Oh, because I'm a woman. Well, gee, well, we don't have to have that question, whether we're articulating it out loud or it's lurking in the back of our minds, or if everybody's thinking it, not saying it. Uh, how do you get to be a thought leader in this, this campaign so that you get to be on these panel discussions, bringing your thought leadership? Patty, let me start with you, since you're our, our travel woman right now uh, mm -hmm. what did you do just just give me like a one minute answer what did you do to make yourself a thought leader where people want to have you on that stage on that video speaking what's on your mind I'm going to be really annoying and say the word thought leader makes me uncomfortable because nobody has an answer sure. to this um, in in so but I am a voice and I think that's important and so what did I do to get here a lot of work <laughs> right and so Investing in understanding the research, you know, Tanya, to your point about the areas of convergence with different populations and within different contexts has been really important. But just like anything, this is a cultural transformation. And so I've invested a lot of time in building my relationships with people who are concerned on this topic on both sides, people who have the same viewpoint as I do that we need to do something about it, and people on the other side who are saying, what's your problem? And so I've spent a significant amount of time, and that ends up providing you with a platform and not being afraid to use this platform with all of these connections for something that I truly believe in. My personal mission is to change the way the world views women leaders. And, and so Patty, I invest a lot of time in that. Thank you, Patty. And, and I agree with you about the word thought leader, even though we like to say all of our Game Changers series, and there are 23 series now, that we are pure thought leadership. Thought leadership meaning we're not selling, we're not promoting, we're not advertising, we're not giving testimonials, we're not getting in the weeds. We're people who are thoughtful and mindful and insightful and experienced in a topic sharing their thoughts. That's how I define it. But if you don't like thought leader, and I respect that, of course, what term should I be using when I say, how did you get to be a blank on the circuit to talk about this topic? What word should I use? I tend to describe myself as an advocate or somebody lending a voice or a, a storyteller um, and sometimes a catalyst. But I like your definition of thought leader. I think it's a really good one. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's circle around the table to Nicole Sahin. Nicole, how did you get to be where you are, a, a thoughtful, insightful, savvy person talking about this topic? What, what, what did you do to get there where people like Patty have invited you on this show because you have these good thoughts? <laughs> Patty, I'm working it real hard here. Go ahead, Nicole. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, I mean, I think it actually goes back to what Patty was um, mentioned earlier and, and her quote, which is, doing is the thing. Uh, the talking and the worrying and the thinking is not the thing. And both things are important to some extent. I mean, I think we have to elevate awareness um, via our words, but ultimately leading by example um, it is, is more compelling. One thing that I've noticed is that, that younger, so I'm, my, just to give some insight, I'm 37 years old, and I'm at a bridge in generations. Um, women who are older than me, especially in Boston and in more traditional business environments, definitely did the hard work of, of breaking through the glass ceiling. And there's certainly quite a bit of gender discrimination at, at my age range as well and in my generation. But one thing I notice as I see millennials coming out of school um, and into the workforce is that they're just doing. You know, they, 
they um, start and run companies, they, they try their hand at things, and it's almost as if they haven't heard that there is gender discrimination. And that can be very frustrating for women of, of an elder generation who saw how difficult it was and, and still is, and they know it from experience, as compared to young women are pretty much raised thinking that they can do anything and that they're not ever going to uh, run into any issues at all related to gender. They don't see it yet. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's up to, up to us as, as women in the workplace to really, you know, continually reach, reach down into the lower generation and tell them, you know, that this is precious. You know, the, the, what you're feeling is precious, and even if it can be a little bit annoying to people who are older that they don't appreciate the work that's been done that made it so easy for them, that's exactly, the, that's exactly um, what we were fighting for, that lack of awareness and their feeling that, that they can do anything. And I do think that, yes, I agree with Patty that we're not there yet and the work still needs to be done. And yet as more women are coming into the workforce, more women are getting, you know, more women are in schools and graduate programs than men at this point in, in many fields. That as that younger generation continues to push through the workforce, that we'll see a lot of change naturally. And yet it's also important to make sure that they know how important it is to fight for that and that we help lead them to positions of leadership rather than just being a part of the workforce. Thank you, Nicole. Also a very thoughtful answer. And Tanya, of course, we want to include you in this inclusion advocacy. How did you get to be where you are? You travel, you speak, you write. How did you get to become that thoughtful leader? Oh, I like that thoughtful leader. Yeah. I like I like that you said mindful before, too. So if you add thoughtful and mindful, Patty, maybe we yes. can go with that one. Thoughtful I guess and like that. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. working it, ladies. Um, I'm working it. Go ahead. Go ahead, I, Tanya. You know, I think it's such a brilliant question. As a coach, I think this is a question that we should be asking, right, that, that we didn't just appear. I think there are a couple of things. Patty really said it, it. For me, it's working hard. It's writing. I also think it's taking risks. You know, this whole research on this likability piece for women you know, there are times when what I say isn't popular. I wrote a piece for CNN about um, women and women not being seen and, you know, got a lot of trolling on the piece that I wrote and, you know, saying things like I made up the data and all these other things about women Ooh. not being seen in certain positions or heard. So for me, it's a big piece around sometimes pushing through, even when you're not so sure, even when you're a little afraid. The other thing is, and, and Bonnie, you've said this, you know, the fact that Patty invited me is finding people that support you. Mm. There, there was a wonderful piece in um, Fast Company this week about when they were talking about some of the changes that have been made. One of them is women supporting other women, which we've always done, by the way. There's a lot of narrative around how many of us haven't supported each other. But the fact that Patty and I have connected in many different ways, and that we support each other, we would recommend each other. That's essential to find allies. I found male and female allies that are going to say, here, why don't you recommend Tanya? Um, Why don't you do this? And then I think just knowing my work, I think not viewing this as a trend, but viewing this as something that is important to me. I've been doing it for a long time. Issues of equity and access are extremely important, whether we're talking in education or the workplace. So I see that, I feel that people know and see me and know that this is what I believe in. Thank you very much. We've got a lot of good beliefs and we've got a lot of good, solid, uh, good, solid, thoughtful, mindful people on this panel. Patty, you, you, you really aced this one, bringing together. And I know, Patty, you're coming back next <laughs> week with two. I to point you, Bonnie. That's oh, you never do, my dear. And next year, you're, next week, you're bringing back Nicole McCabe from SAP and uh, Tina Nelson, Nielsen as well to continue this topic. So now it's time for us to get a little up close and personal. I, 
I'm oh I'm hearing some banging in the background. I'm almost tempted to skip the break, but I think we'll take just a one minute break to give you all a chance to sip something. But before we do, Nicole Sahin, where are you calling from right now? I think you're in Boston, but tell me if I'm wrong. And what are you drinking that energizes you and makes you want to go out there and I won't say fight the fight, but advocate the advocacy? Let's oh I like that better. <laughs> okay. Nicole, what are you drinking today? What's in your cup? Uh, yes. Well, my drink in the morning is that I drink a fruit smoothie with a lot of vitamins thrown in and, uh, and green things and all kinds of, pretty much anything in the refrigerator that one would consider healthy or that you could find in a health food store is mixed into a smoothie. And yet, um, I actually moved to Boston about four years ago from California. And one day I'm an entrepreneur. And at that time I started to, um, I, when I stay up late at night, I throw a five hour energy into the smoothie, and I thought this is definitely the transition for into being a Bostonian. That I need this much caffeine, and I'm still drinking my uh, California smoothie. So that is what is typically in my cup in the morning. Listen, I lived in Cambridge for several years, um, Nicole, and and just driving around there, you needed to, to be awake and alert. Those those turnarounds or whatever they were, and and I commuted. I was a a, a mommy. I was a married mommy, and I was um yeah, I was commuting into BU by the train and driving my kid on the back of on a baby seat on a bike to take him to Harvard Daycare, Radcliffe Daycare. It was it was a crazy life, but yes, you really need your wits about you there. So I applaud that. Tanya, where are you today, and what are you drinking? that's fun and interesting or just interesting and not fun right yeah maybe it's the interesting not fun i'm in new york city headed to dallas texas this afternoon and in my cup is green tea just to make sure my voice did not sound as crackly as it sounded earlier today so green tea tropical to be exact Oh, that sounds good. I'm going to have to get me some of that afterwards. And, Patty, we know you're in Boston. We know you're the traveling lady here. What is in your cup today that's powering you? We're just relaxing you, Patty. <laughs> um, so I'm having a little help from Dunkin' Donuts. Um, I have a medium iced coffee with almond milk, and it's delicious. It's really good. Hmm, sounds good. And Patty knows, and Nicole may re- may not know, and Tanya may remember, they don't let me have anything with caffeine in on radio show days, and I think you know why. We are talking to three very interesting, very live and lively ladies who are advocates for the age of the woman. We're talking about gender equity in business. It's time, but we're not there yet. No, Mommy, we're still in the car driving, and we have three extraordinary drivers on the show with us today, Nicole Sahin, Tanya Odom, and Dr. Patty Fletcher. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. So take a sip of something that makes you happy, and we will be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are talking about a very key topic. It is in the media. It's on mainstream TV. It's on the tips of our tongues, and we're bringing it to you, gender, equity, and business. Is it the age of the woman yet? Mommy, we're not quite there yet, but we are hurtling and barreling toward it. Speaking today with Nicole Sahin, Tanya M. Odom, and Dr. Patty Fletcher. We're going to start the roundtable, even though we've been deep in the roundtable already, but formally the roundtable. With Nicole Sahin, I have to tell you a little bit about Nicole. She is, I mentioned, the CEO of Globalization Partners, a global employment solutions company that helps companies rapidly expand into more than 180 countries without establishing new subsidiaries. That may be a groundbreaking approach. Her company has been named the sixth fastest growing private company and the number one fastest growing female-led company in America. And I believe she was a finalist in the EY uh, competition. Nicole, before I read the talking point we're going to discuss, tell me something. What was the EY competition like and, and how did you do? Oh, thank you. It, yeah, I, I love the EY Entrepreneur of the Year competition. It's a uh, it's a competition by EY, which celebrates entrepreneurship. And um, it it what do they ref- so they're they're you know Uber. I think the leaders of Uber and um, and Twitter and and many other organizations have been celebrated through the EY Entrepreneur of the Year contest. So they pull together all the entrepreneurs. Um, in different cities, and then there's a nationwide competition as well. And they're we're looking for thought leaders and change agents. Thank you. So, so proud of you. You must have been very, very excited. You're certainly in good company. Now, let's look. I'm looking at your notes here. It's a lot of good information here, but let's go with the, the second one you sent me. You're talking about the age of women. And let me, we're not getting political here to our listeners around the world. We're not talking about anybody's election, but here is just the way Nicole is presenting it. If Hillary Clinton wins the U.S. presidential election in 2016, women will be leading three of the world's largest economies. Clinton in the U.S., this is hypothetical, Theresa May in the U.K., and Angela Merkel in Germany. What do they have in common? And let me just read one sentence here that I think will tell us where we're going. They are known for their level-headedness, diplomacy, get-it-done attitude, and they are strongly polarizing figures. Interesting, Nicole, you picked the world's largest economies and not just people leading governments because there are many more women around the world. Thinking of the woman who is uh, leading Myanmar. Somebody just mentioned that country a few minutes ago. So talk to me, Nicole. What are the implications of this for our topic today on gender equity in business, please? Sure. Yes. So, I mean, first, it's a really intriguing time for th- for this to potentially come into play. Uh, you know, again, if Clinton if Clinton wins, then we have what three strong women leading the three world's three largest economies, and and yet these women are all known for being um, you know very strong, very level headed, very uh, non traditional women, and that they are leaders, and yet they're not considered feminine in the traditional sense, and so if 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 they are essentially running the running the world in a time of unprecedented crisis, I mean, UK just had Brexit. Um, Germany is having so many issues. First, it has an incredibly strong economy, but they're having so many 
issues with um, security issues and refugees coming in and are really mm-hmm. um, undergoing a, a cultural transition. And the U.S. is at a time when we have such a split country um, that if, if these women are all in office and they're basically pushing the entire world forward, um, I, I think that it could uh, almost redefine what, it consider, what is considered to be feminine and what is considered to be a strong female leader. Very interesting point of view. Yes, and that's, uh, yeah, that's mindset. That's something cultural. Okay, let's bring in Tanya Odom on this. Tanya, thoughts on what Nicole just introduced? I mean, I think it's important on many levels. One is we know from unconscious bias research that just having women in these positions impacts us, who we see, who we don't see, really impacts who we think can do the job. So I think it's it's really important. I think I still am concerned about, and I know we all are, about the pipeline to get there. And then the other piece, and Bonnie, you actually, and Patty, I mentioned this, I think we all did, that, you know, the culture in terms of how we relate to women in these positions, right? The, the article that came out recently about how different voices are perceived to be bossy or to be angry or to be emotional. So a lot of my work at this point is looking at the inclusion part of diversity and inclusion. How do we get people in the door? Absolutely. But then how do we also do some true assessment of the cultures that either support women or don't, that that will promote and develop, as Patty was talking about, women or don't? For me, that's just as important as getting people in the door. Very interesting. Patty Fletcher, let's weigh in on this. What do you think? Yeah, I think a, a few things, and, and maybe not with Angelica, because um, I, I don't remember where Germany was at the time she was brought on. But with Theresa May and potentially with Clinton, this is a really good example of glass cliff, which is the phenomenon where when something is sinking, like the ship is sinking, um, a woman is brought in, right? And it's, you know, she can be blamed if it goes south, but it's kind of this challenge that, that we see and this phenomenon that we see. And I, I think it's such an interesting topic, um, and, and thank you, Nicole, for bringing it up, which is these women aren't traditionally feminine, and what we're seeing a lot in research is folks getting away from this is male, this is female, and more to traits. Everybody on this phone has female traits and male traits, and, and so I, I do think it's interesting. Do I think it will change? I don't know. Did Margaret Thatcher change how we viewed women leaders? I'm not sure. So I... Do I, do I see it changing? I think it will challenge. I think we, kind of in a broader scope context, will it open the door for women? Yeah, I had a friend tell me that her son asked her if boys can be president. And I oh. thought that was such an interesting comment. So, yeah, I do think it's changing. I think it's a good conversation to have to challenge that women don't just fit into one stereotype, just like men don't just fit into one stereotype, right, and creating that culture of and versus or. Patty, question for you. Was it the glass cliff you mentioned? What, what did you term that? It's, it's a term that's been around, I think, and Tom, you might know better than I am, right, better than I do. I think it was termed by a New York Times or Wall Street Journal journalist. Um, mm-hmm. back in, like, the 1980s, right? And it's um, when there are so many businesses out there, and I'm not going to name them, but businesses out there that are, are going downhill in a really big way. They're facing a challenge, and a woman is put into place because it's sinking. And there's lots of theories around why that happens. It's a sinking ship anyway, pretty easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater, um, and we don't want to risk one of the good folks. 
to do it. Uh, so it's when yes, a business or an entity is in crisis. Yep. Yeah, the Glasscliff phenomenon, uh, Forbes, October 20th, 2015, among CEOs leaving office over the past 10 years, a higher share of women have been forced out than men. I think I'm just going to put that into yeah. my Twitter, into my tweet here. Yeah. So, yes, mm-hmm. very, very interesting. Thank you. I'm going to circle back to Nicole Sahin and ask you, Nicole, do you have any anything to add about what your co-panelists have shared? Well, I mean, I certainly think the, the concept of the glass of the glass cliff is certain, is uh is very interesting and and we have seen that again and again in in, in business and uh and and now also seeing it in politics and and I think we've seen it in politics historically as well. Um Yeah, and I don't I don't have anything further on that um except that you know, I I think that um in terms of these politicians, you know, things that uh you know, that People tend to dislike people, women, when they lead from a from a position of strength. Um, mm-hmm. One thing related to that is that Hillary was originally supposed to be a first lady. You know, when she came in, at, she came into a role, and she was supposed to be not a leader and not the mm-hmm. COO of the country or or Bill's right hand person, but rather just yes. fulfill a role of elegance and grace. Um, and I wonder if that's part of what had made her so unpopular that she tried to use the power power at, in that role in more of a functional capacity. Very interesting. I read that in a review the other day about that she, yeah, she stepped up into power and, as you said, became the CEO under Bill Clinton's administration. And that, I don't know if it angered people, but maybe it, maybe it disgusted some people. Maybe it disappointed some people. Maybe it was a, who in the hell does she think it is? She is the, First Lady is supposed to plant gardens. She's supposed mm-hmm. to fight obesity. Nothing wrong with those. She's supposed to talk about literacy. She's supposed to have a pet campaign. She's supposed to wear gorgeous clothes. Ah, pantsuits and hairbands. Please give me a break. And she's supposed to do all of those things, isn't she? And, and Hillary wanted to be smart in a different way. Not that the other first ladies weren't very interesting. I just read that yesterday. Yes, and we're we're not going to wax political, I promise. But we are staying on topic. Thank you, Nicole. Tanya M. Odom. I'm looking at your notes here. Let's see if we can find something interesting. We already talked about unconscious bias as a hot topic. I think I mentioned that in the uh, the description of the TV show I saw last night. Let's talk about. Uh, there's a lot of talk about diversity today. Some day, some people say the word is tainted. What what word would you rather have, Tanya? you want to take us through a little bit of uh, cultural vocabulary here? What should we be talking about? Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, it's, it's the same question around equity versus equality. You know, I do mm-hmm. a lot of work with the United Nations and working on their gender strategy and some of their work because the United Nations has put a stake in the ground to say they would like 50-50 gender parity by twenty the year 2030. And it was interesting to start working with them because they want the word equity to be used. That's the word they want, not just inclusion, not diversity, but they want equity. And so there was an interesting piece in The Economist a couple of months ago around, um, you know, diversity fatigue. And as someone who's been doing the work for a long time, it's interesting who's saying they're tired (laughs) around the word diversity, because it's not necessarily women or people of color all the time. But I do think we have to think about how people view the terms of diversity and inclusion and equity and what they see as their role. It's not the word. It's really how people are interpreting the concept, whether they're seeing it as something that's compliance-driven, which I think we talked about on the last show 
versus something that's an advantage, right? That's what Patty was talking about in terms of the tech industry missing this huge group of people who can provide innovation and creativity to what they're doing. So, so for me, it's really challenging people a little bit on the diversity fatigue language, but I do think words have power. So are we asking for equity? Yes, we're asking for equity and access. Where it becomes a challenge is when people start wanting to sort of always come down to, well, how many people in a leadership position is enough, right? And Patty, I'm sure you get that, Nicole, too, right? That question, which to me doesn't really address, again, this aspect of who's in the room. Are they, are their voices included? Are they being interrupted? Are they being viewed as a certain way? Or to Patty's point, are they being given projects or an assignment or a country um, to lead that, in fact, has so many issues that would hard to see how their success um, could be something that we would all say is, is eminent. So I think there are a lot of things that we talk about right now. They're buzzwords that we're using. And my request is just that we put some animo behind it. We put some um, data behind it and not just dismiss topics or words because we don't really understand them or because they potentially have been overused. I do believe that. Thank you. Patty Fletcher, what do you think? Do you have diversity I, fatigue? I love this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love this topic. It's so good. And I agree. Words matter. And and I've seen that, that same move from equality to equity. And the more that, that I spend on this topic, you know, we love the numbers, right? And I get angry and frustrated and all of those things. Right? We, for years and years, to Nicole's point, We've been half of MBAs, half of PhDs, or 70% of valedictorians. We've, this kind of data has been around and yet the needle hasn't been moved. And so it, you know, tends, okay, 50, 50 with female representation. But the truth is, we're all individuals who want different things. It's about equity. It's about equal access, understanding that my route to whatever access I want is going to be very different than my male counterpart simply because of all the potholes in the way, all the different things in the way. And um, I, I have absolutely experienced um, diversity fatigue um, <laughs> with the people around me. Are we still talking about this with an eye roll is a lot um, as well, that when people think of the word diversity, they tend to think one population is going to benefit at the expense of another. And so whenever I hear from certain folks going, wow, we have all of these programs for, for women or for African-Americans or for um, millennials, you know, what, whatever the population component is, and I'm hearing it from somebody who does not see themselves or himself in those underrepresented populations that have so much focus, I hear the what about me. And so I ask them, tell me your experience. How many roles have you had? How many promotions have you had? Did you apply for those? Right? And it's just, it's just getting this understanding of what's really happening. Why are we talking about this topic? Diversity is about number counting. Inclusion is about culture where all voices can be heard to, to Tanya's point and to, to Nicole's point. So I do think words matter. I love the emergence of the word equity. I love the emergence of focusing in on traits versus just gender, which tends to have a lot of finger pointing. And the piece about finger pointing and diversity is um, nobody wins when you play the blame and shame game because you're going to alienate. Um, and so I, I think it's really important to that Tanya's point about we've got to think about the words that we use. 
We can't assume that everybody has the same definition that we do. And that's really some of the, the common groundwork that, that's still happening today. And then what does it mean to have equity in the workplace? Not everybody wants to be CEO. Not everybody wants to be an SVP. Some people want to contribute in other ways. And we have to take a broader scope look at what that means and how we design organizations. Thank you, Patty. I want to circle around to Nicole Sahin and get a, a brief comment from you. We're almost ready for our predictions round. And before we do, I want to make sure I squeeze in one of the notes from Patty Fletcher, who sent me some wonderful information. So, Nicole, what are your thoughts about equity getting into that conversation and diversity fatigue? Where do you sit or stand on this? Thank you. Yes. Um, I mean, I think the word diversity fatigue, I mean, it's important to keep in mind. It, it's a long, hard fight. And for true equity. And, and of course, in any, any long struggle or a long process, there's going to be fatigue. That's the, that's the nature of it. And yet we can't keep our eye off the ball. Um, I have a lot of experience with this because, um, as, as you mentioned, Bonnie, my, my company is led entirely by women, and we're getting a lot of press for that right now. Yet I built my team the same way men always have and the same way men are, frankly, criticized for, which is I pulled in the smartest, most competent people I knew into my company because we were growing at the speed of light and that's what I needed. Yet what I ended up with was a a non-diverse team, management team. Mm. We are all women. Um, And so, you know, moving forward as we, as we build out the company, something that's been on our radar internally, because a lot of us in this, in the Boston community are very actively engaged in uh, gender diversity matters is that we need to be conscious of ourselves. Um, On one hand, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, when, you know, somebody asked her once, when will there be enough women on the Supreme Court? And she said, when there are nine women on the Supreme Court. And that no one has ever looked at an all-male, you know, no one ever used to historically look at the all-male Supreme Court and raise an eyebrow, yet they're shocked when she says there should be nine women on the Supreme Court. What we're working towards is really an in- invisibility and yet we're totally not there yet. So for my organization, are we looking for men on our management team? Absolutely. Are we looking for men and people of all types of diversity all throughout our organization? Yes. And it is hard. And that has to do with the fatigue. It's not easy. You know, you have to turn away. You know, you want to pick the best candidates, but you have to really search for making sure that the uh, that you're interviewing a lot of people to find the most qualified people who don't look like everyone else in the room. And it, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's work it that is. needs to be done. It is. And, Nicole, to your point, I'm looking at Patty's notes here, and she mentions Adam Quinton's labeling of mirrorocracy, investors disproportionately backing people they're comfortable with and who seem lower risk and look like them when they look in the mirror. Aha. Patty, we're at the point where we need to do our predictions, but I, I really need to jump on two topics quickly. I'll just start this. I'll, I'll read one sentence, and you give me a response, okay? Uh, Patty Fletcher says, women are responsible for 70 to 80% of consumer buying decisions and are the majority of internet and social media users on channels like LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Women are earning $18 trillion in salary in just two more years. We'll be earning. Patty, what's the implication of that economic power for women on our discussion about equity? Yeah, I'm just going to be really crass here and say men are the ones who design tampons. That's a problem. And so, and the reason I bring that up is that we are the major buyers and the major consumers, and not only in feminine products, but overall. We are using technology to connect with each other. 
And yet when we look at the boards, right, so the people who create the policies around who these organizations are, what they value in the practices, when we look at the people who are designing the products and the people who are selling the products and doing everything in between, if I'm not represented there, that's an issue, right? So, very, yeah. Nicole, I love how upfront you are about, hey, here's my team, here are the challenges. You live a very real life as a CEO of a fast-growing company. Chances are when you look at your customer base, you're going, hmm, okay, so now I'm building out and it needs to be reflective in, of, of the different voices to whom I'm selling, right? It's such a wonderful thing that you're doing, and I love it, and that's the kind of stuff that needs to be applauded, and that was the purpose. We have so much power in this world. We are also paying more for products. I didn't put that in there, and I think we all know that. We should have a voice where it matters. We need more Nicoles. We need more Tanyas out there who are representing the full market, not just a portion of it. It's a dictatorship at this point. Thank you, Patty. I'm going to circle back to Nicole Sahin. Nicole, I have about 45 seconds. For, well, I can give you one minute, 60 mm-hmm. seconds. Predictions. Uh, just to, to level the playing field here, uh, why don't we just say what will be different about this topic by 2020? It's coming very quickly. And as Patty knows, I love it because Barbara Walters is has an earworm in my head where she says, 2020, never got over that yet. So 2020, what will be different about this topic if we met again? And I hope we do, Nicole Sahin. Gender equity in business. Is it the age of the women yet? Will we be answering yes or no, 2020? 60 seconds, predictions, go. Thank you. I think in terms of predictions for 2020, unfortunately, you know, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but I, I don't think that's long enough for us to see a tremendous amount of a tremendous amount of change, and yet I think that the dial, you know, things will be continued to move forward. So as more young women enter the workforce who have this mindset of there's nobody can tell me what to do or what not to do, and as as people like all of us are working hard to make sure that, that women have opportunities and that we're fighting to get more women on boards um, and, and support female entrepreneurship, I do think we'll move, the, we'll move the ball forward and we'll see change, but it will be gradual. So I don't expect, you know, suddenly, you know, perfect parity and, and uh, gender parity on, on boards by 2020, but I certainly think that we'll, we'll continue doing the hard work and moving things forward. Thank you, Tanya M. Oden. I'll give you 60 seconds. What do you see? 2020, good year, bad year? So I think everything that Nicole just said, I think more brave entrepreneurs like Nicole who are sort of shaking things up in different ways, I think will be great. Um, I think we will still be talking about this in 2020. I think we could have another conversation about what are some good practices we've seen in pure innovation research. We want to see what's been disrupted and what hasn't, right? What parts of the pipeline have not been disrupted what are the industries that we are going to be talking about in 2020 that will have possibly done better than some of the others? I hope that's the type of conversation we're having. And then I'm hoping that we're talking about, again, looking at a full, you know, rising tide lifts all boats so that we also are talking about lesbian women and women of color and, and all these different um, constellations of women. Because, again, for me, it is a, a bigger picture when we talk about women's advancement and women's leadership. Thank you. And Patty, I saved, whoa, I have 30 seconds for you, Patty. I know it's going to be tough, but give me 30 (laughs) seconds. Predict. Go. I will take those 30 seconds. Um, So I agree, right? And and instead of Debbie Downer, which is usually my my voice here, by 2020, I, I think it's a combination. I think hopefully we're moving even further past the why and justifying why women belong in positions like what Nicole has and in so many others and into the how to Tanya's point about we're going to have some data, 
that we can use and start understanding best practices around recruiting at multiple levels and around retaining and developing. And with that data, we can further segment for other underrepresented populations within the female population. So I, I think the conversation will really evolve from the why to the how do we do this with leadership teams, and, um, and that's what I hope anyway. Thank you. I like what you hope anyway, and I hope anyway it comes to pass. I want to thank Patty Fletcher for putting together a stellar panel. Wonderful conversation. I enjoyed it, and I learned a lot. Nicole Sahin and Tanya Odom and Dr. Patty Fletcher. And thank you to Michael, our engineer at World Talk Radio, for getting us on the air and keeping us there. And, Patty, I'm looking forward to welcoming you back here next week on Coffee Break again with another panel on a similar topic. We'll be talking with Tina Nielsen and with Nicole McKay. So here's my shout out to everybody out there. Fasten your seatbelt, gender equity. It's coming down the pike. Are you ready, mommy? We are almost there yet, or at least we're heading in the right direction. So what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.